This episode of the Global Franchise Podcast is brought to you by Scenthound, a unique wellness-focused dog grooming concept with exclusive franchise territories available in key US markets. Learn more at scenthound.com. Welcome to the Global Franchise Podcast, bringing you exclusive interviews with some of the biggest figures in the franchising industry. I'm Kieran McLoon, Deputy Editor for Global Franchise Magazine. I think ironically, COVID has, has and kind of the, the challenges of the last year have, have probably served to, to, to bring back to the forefront of people's minds the importance of, of, of both physical and mental health and well-being. Um, and actually, my my view and a lot a lot of data would suggest that it's potentially accelerated penetration rate when you look at the numbers of people already exercising in 2021 versus 2020. Lift Brands is really making a name for itself in the international fitness space, and its two leading brands, Snap Fitness and Nine Round, have become front runners in their respective segments of the workout market. This puts the organization in the perfect position to analyze the fitness franchising sphere as a whole. And that's why we wanted to speak with John Cottam, CEO of Lift Brands EMEA, to get a clear picture of the direction that this parent company is looking to take its sought-after brands. I think if we look at if we look at you know, the franchisee, and clearly there are different types of franchisees with different motivations. Look, they, they all want to see a strong return on their investment. So, so everyone's looking for, for essentially what we would call strong unit level economics. Um, and, I, and I think consistently the, uh, the brands that we operate deliver strong uh, unit level economic opportunities for our franchisees, regardless of territory. So I, I think that's one. Actually, two, you, you kind of have to look at why people franchise in the first place. Mm. And it's actually because they, you know, they, they want to work in an environment and with a partner who can essentially give them the infrastructure, the process and the support to be successful. And, and really, that's the driver of, of those kind of ULEs or those unit level economics. And, and look, for us, it's about having a, a robust and a fairly industrialized process around the way we, um, the way we set up our clubs um, and, and then the way we operate them ongoing. Um, and and there's, a, there's a high degree of consistency in how we do that, regardless of the, the language spoken in the market. I think it's fair to say that a gym or a studio is a gym or a studio, whether it's in whether it's in Mexico or the UK. There are just kind of the local idiosyncrasies that then need overlaying. So it's very much about having a consistent and a solid process to help support people. And then actually the, the next piece is, right, who is providing that support in market? So for us having what, what I would call kind of subject matter experts, it's imperative that we've got strong subject matter experts, both centrally, um, but actually also out in the regions. And, and, and that will be in our, our regional support offices. And I, th I think we're quite unique as a fitness franchisor to have the globe divided essentially into three key, uh, key areas. So we've got the Americas, um, we've got Asia Pacific, and then, and then Europe, Middle East and Africa, which is, the, which is the chair that I sit in. And within each of those, We've got subject matter experts, so we, we have everything from product to property to operational expertise employed directly by us. And, and, and then we have strong partners in our master franchisees who might, who might overlay local expertise if we're talking about, for example, trading in. It could be Belgium or Luxembourg or the Netherlands. So I think that's key, and that's very much uh, something that franchisees look for as well because you need people to help translate the process into their into their given market. So I think it's an amalgamation of all of those things. And the, the simple reality as well is people look for evidence of a strong trading history. And I think it's 
it's, it's fair to say that we've we've got a very established or globally established, should I say, set of brands in the portfolio and, and kind of the history and the trajectory speaks for itself. So, Yeah, for sure. Um, and as franchisees kind of grow and, you know, really come to appreciate that sense of consistency you've got across the entire network, yeah. do you find that they sort of take on um, multiple brands within the Lyft Brands family? So, for example, if they're really established with their nine-round locations, do they then say, okay, well, you know, I know I'm going to get the support, I'll open up a Snap Fitness, or do they tend to remain within the one sort of vertical that they've, they're have they used to? Uh, so, uh, look, again, there's no one answer to that. So I think, I think the short answer is we have franchisees who have been invested in both or are invested in both. Um, but what, what we probably see more, in all honesty, are, are people enjoying success in a given brand and then scaling there. So um, if, if we look at, look, let's use nine round as an example. If, if someone invests in, in one nine round, they may then quite often scale to, uh, scale to three. It's very similar for Snap. What you'll normally find is, is, is people will, having in, in their mind figured something out, they'll typically scale that because they've already, they've already established the learnings and the experience to do yeah. it. That being said, we do have people who look to diversify. We, we've got some solid examples, for example, in, in the Asia-Pacific region where um, Snap Fitnesses have also been traded with nine rounds, actually in, this, in the same unit, different entrances, but in the same operation. And, and that's a particularly exciting one for us because, because to the franchisee, you, you, know, you can significantly save on the cost of setting up a club because you're already building one, you're essentially just carving off a space for another brand. Um, but generally, we see we see in vertical or in brand scaling more than cross brand. Right. Um, what we do see a lot is uh, people diversifying from other industries into fitness. Um, so, so, so it's, it's often a step from food, for example, rather than cross brand. And um, that brings us nicely onto what I wanted to ask you about the idea of, so for example, within the food and beverage space, you've got, you know, fine dining, QSR, lots of different kinds of things under the F&B umbrella. And you're seeing that increasingly with fitness. I mean, you know, lift brands yourselves, you've got 24 hour kind of things, but then more boutique classes with nine round. Um, as somebody familiar with the fitness space, is there a certain direction you see the industry going long term, for example, more towards that boutique sort of class based model? Or do you think that, you know, there's going to be space for every kind of concept, no matter, you know, because people want to work out how they want to work out. There's not going to be a one size fits all sort of model. Yeah. So look, for me, it's the latter. I think I think the first thing to say is, is how do I see fitness going? Look, I see it growing. Mm. I think. I think ironically, COVID has, has and kind of the, the challenges of the last year have, have probably served to, to, to bring back to the forefront of people's minds the importance of, of, of both physical and mental health and well-being. Um, and actually, my, my view and a lot, a lot of data would suggest that it's potentially accelerated penetration rate when you look at the numbers of people already exercising in 2021 versus 2020. Um, when, you, when you kind of overlay that to the fitness market itself, Again, I, I don't believe um, that the market is going one way or another. I actually think in the same way that, that people are different, I think different people gravitate towards different things. And I think there, there will always be subsets in the market. The market has always evolved, right? You used to have kind of big box gyms and then mid-market, mid-market gyms. Boutique didn't necessarily exist in the same way. Probably first started by spinning and well, actually yoga and Pilates and then spin in the UK. And then the budget sector arrived and, and completely changed the shape of the shape of the industry. I think if we look at where we sit now, there's there's frankly just a greater um, there's a greater level of choice for the consumer. So I actually see um, see kind of a continued diversification of fitness, if anything. 
I think where we will see some some direction changes is you, you'll, you'll start to see more of a hybrid approach and a, and a number of brands, ourselves included, have started to look at the ability to have almost the gym away from the gym. I think it's fair to say a lot of people have been doing a lot of stuff digitally through lockdown. Um, and while we've certainly noticed a degree of digital fatigue setting in with, with with people perhaps doing less than they were in lockdowns one and two and through lockdown three, um, actually, I think there's always going to be going to be a space for that. Um, but look, for me, the short answer is I don't see a polarization. My view is that the total number of people exercising will grow. And actually, it's the opportunity for the, for the operator to find ways to welcome them into our clubs, um, wh- whichever they may be. Yeah, that's really interesting from a consumer point of view. But from a, a franchisee point of view, do you find that when people are coming from different industries into fitness, that certain kind of entrepreneurs may be a better fit for, say, an iRound model versus a Snap Fitness? Or is it kind of the same sort of thing where there's sim- there's enough similarities where, you know, someone could join up with either brand? So I think look, I think that's a really interesting question. So if we if we look at why uh, why someone may fit one brand or another, I think it depends on the motivations of the franchisee. If we look at it in its most basic level, before talking about franchisee fit, if you were to compare a nine round to, for example, a snap, a nine round is just more financially accessible of an investment when mm. compared to a snap. Essentially, the investment level is lower, so it certainly opens up that opportunity. Um, to, to someone who has le- less capital available. Um, what that doesn't mean is that someone who's very well capitalized wouldn't necessarily choose to operate a nine round because the the counter to it having a lower point of entry is that you can also scale. Um, so actually for us, when we're looking at franchisees, we're, we're looking for a number of things. Yes, we're looking for um, for people who are appropriately capitalized to be able to invest. But actually more, we're looking at people who have the right attitude, aptitude and and in some cases, a specific background to be able to, to operate. We're definitely not expecting people to understand how to, how to run a fitness business, but to understand how to run a business, to being transferable skills. Actually, we can then provide the kind of the structure and the support to help people apply that in fitness. So for us, again, it's very much not a one size fits all. The, the model lends itself to both what I would call the, um, the first time investor who may or may not be an owner operator. They may or may not work in the club or someone who's looking to either scale or diversify their, their existing investment portfolio. And look, that's really common in fitness. I, I think it's fair to say fitness was often a diversification from food um, because you essentially move from a, uh, from a transactional model to a recurring revenue model, whereby mm. you also have a, you know, frankly, a, a much less complex staffing model to contend with as well. So it, it's often been a, a natural migration across. But in terms of who would take on, no, I, I actually think it, it presents opportunities to, if anything, a wider subset of franchisees. Right. And you mentioning staffing there. Um, am I right in thinking that Nine Round has kind of variable uh, models for franchisees where you can either be an owner operator or more of a semi owner operator? Is that what, what's, yeah, what's that look like? Precisely that. So, again, depends on the intent of the franchisee, but you could either be an owner operator, meaning that you, you are the owner, but you are also acting effectively as club manager in club um, with a team of with a team of coaches or trainers around you. Um, and, and to be clear, we have franchisees of, of that ilk trading in the UK. We then have what I would call the semi-absentee owner, um, who is fairly involved, not necessarily specifically in club delivering workouts, but they're very much taking care of a lot of the back of house operational work. 
um, and a lot of the commercial work uh, back of house to help support those in club, essentially keep members happy and, and drive new members in. And then we have what we'd call the owner employer or the owner investor. And they're, and they're typically people who are, who have seen fitness as a great vehicle to, to ultimately generate revenue. Um, but they're very much doing it through the employment of other staff. Um, and that may be if they were if they were simply one club, it would be through the employment of a club manager and team. Or if they were doing a group of clubs, for example, it would it would be through um, the employment of those club staff. But typically, an operator as well who might sit effectively above the clubs to help them operate um, there. And we have examples of all of those three thriving thriving in the UK, which which probably shows the flexibility of it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and and sort of uh, if we look at nine round from a more operational point of view in terms of how you know how it actually works from a consumer side um, as you know some of our listeners will probably know boutique fitness is this enormous trend in the fitness space at the minute so many new concepts opening constantly how are you making sure that nine round remains uh, competitive you know when you've got so many other concepts vying for that consumer attention yeah I think Look, the first comment to that, and it's it's almost flippant, is that we probably welcome the competition because right. it, it kind of shows that we're in the right place um, in, in in terms of where we where we've positioned ourselves because other people want to enter the enter the segment. So that's certainly a that, that's certainly a win for us. I think when it comes down to to remaining relevant there's, or, or to, to to remaining in the right place um, amongst the competition, there's a number of there's a number of layers to that. So one. It's about making sure that the concept itself actually actually remains relevant to the consumer, and by the consumer I mean the people that are, that are joining our clubs. and And actually, that's that, that, that's that, that's a, a journey that, that should never stop for any brand, I don't think, um, but can probably be broken down into into a number of areas. So it's it's about the way we present the brand itself to the consumer, the the language we use, the imagery we use, and actually who it is we're trying to market to. I think if we look at um, boutique more traditionally it can it can have quite an elitist vibe it can be quite non-inclusive for what mm. a better term in terms of the messaging that's out there and, and actually that's that's probably not the the space in the market that we're um, we're positioning ourselves nine round is, is is very much a boutique concept that, that is for everyone um so I, I think that's one key point of difference but actually if we move away from from the brand we then need to look at the product itself and it's it's key that the the, the product continues to evolve now that being said, we need to make sure nine round stays a nine round. We don't all of a sudden want to fill it with with treadmills and, and bench presses because it's ultimately a, a kickboxing based workout. So, so without changing the core concept, it's then about adding layers to it. So, so what equipment can and can't and shouldn't shouldn't be added? What can we do digitally to support the offering? How can we use things like wearable tech um, to remain current? And if we look at the offering as it stands at the moment, they're, they're kind of at the core of what we do. So. Wearable tech is a is a huge piece um, for us. We're actually we're actually currently developing an app so that we can then link not only our own wearable tech but other people's wearable tech um, and incentivize and reward people's exercise through the, actually through the monetization of uh, of exercise points. So um, we're working on projects like that to keep the product current for the consumer. But I think the I think the other thing is we need to continually make sure that the the, the product itself and the offering works for the franchisee. And we're quite fortunate that our global scale enables us to, to leverage that. So it's important that we make sure that unit level economics do remain as competitive as, as possible for the franchisee through whether it's reduced cost of sourcing kit, reduced cost of operation and so on. And then honestly, it, it leans back into those, those subject matter experts. We, we need to make sure that we've got people 
in post and available to to essentially help our franchisees be as successful as possible. Uh, so yeah, on that note of you know keeping up with um, consumer trends, obviously the last year has been very disruptive for the fitness industry among every other kind of industry. But are there any sort of silver linings that have come out of that in the sense of things and changes you've made to Nine Round that will remain as we go forward? I mean, in the UK, you know, we're looking at maybe three more months of solid lockdown and then we'll be normal, whatever that means now. Has the brand evolved to almost a different state within the last year as a result of the lockdown? Yeah, good question. I think so. I think there's, there's again, there's kind of layers to, to that as a question. So in terms of what we did through lockdown, um, we look, we the first thing we did is we pivoted pretty quickly. Um, we, we realized very early on that this was this was probably going to be quite a lengthy process. Mm. We needed to position our franchisees to be basically to be able to to conserve cost as effectively as possible. So we, we took kind of a multi-layered approach, some of which remains today. Um, so first things first, we, we obviously we obviously didn't bill our franchisees for the well since this time last year and still haven't started to be clear. So we put financial support in place. That's that's the that's at its most basic level. What was more important is that we found a way to keep the members of their clubs engaged while the clubs were shut. And so, so actually what we did is we pivoted very quickly to a digital strategy. Um, I think it's fair to say that we, that we learned a lot in doing so. So we, we've operated um, a, f- a fairly comprehensive calendar of Zoom workouts. We leveraged a, uh, another one of our brands, Fitness On Demand, um, to provide um, readily available digital content to our, to our users, to, to our members to essentially use when, when we're not running Zoom classes. We, we ran an ongoing um, engagement campaign where we were basically delivering everything from from kind of well-being seminars to sending out information around nutrition. So, I think what we did is we we started providing support, not in club, if that makes sense. And, and that's definitely a departure from how we'd approach things before. We're very much a bricks and mortar model. Um, now, now what I would say as we as we emerge from COVID, what we're what we're not seeking to do is is all of a sudden become a, a digital concept and move away from the bricks and mortar. Right. Um, all of our data has shown that actually people are seemingly suffering from a bit of Zoom fatigue, and, and actually the clubs that we now have in pre-sale are seeing pretty pretty solid numbers in spite of being locked down. To be clear, we've got some clubs set to open at, at the end of lockdown. Mm. Um, actually, that gives us great hope about people's desire to come back. And our view is that by default, people are social cre- social creatures. They want to get back in clubs. They want to exercise with other people. Um, and our view is that fundamentally we shouldn't change who and what we are. We, we think we think that COVID is very much a, a very big blip in the in, well, in, in fact probably the last decade. But what we are going to keep is the digital engagement strategy side of what we're doing. So we've currently got an app in development which links to our Snap app development that will be rolled out. Um, to our members so that people can effectively um, they can effectively have have access to the club at home if that makes sense um, in the us we've got um, we've got a, a digital membership being trialed as another example again so that people can uh, can work out away from away from the club but in terms of the basic concept no we're, we're absolutely we're absolutely not looking to move away from what works we're simply looking to keep what has um, whilst whilst moving back to to kind of the bricks and mortar operation, which we firmly believe people want to, want to get back into. So, so more of a blended approach yeah. is ultimately the outcome. Yeah, so more of an evolution than a complete reinvention kind of thing. Yeah, I, I, again, I, I don't want to overlabor the point, but I firmly believe digital has a place mm. and that we own a digital brand. I firmly believe that bricks and mortar has a place. I think an amalgamation of the two is important. 
But in reality, it's it's about making sure that we find ways to make people continue to feel safe and enjoy being in our clubs. Um, and, and that's absolutely our view. And, and look, we, we were really pleased with the results on the, uh, I think, the four or five months we've all had between lockdowns, if that makes sense, that we've been able to trade. Trends have, have certainly been good, not only for us, but but the industry, I think. Um, it's just it's just a question now of getting back open and being able to, to continue trading in the uh, in the right way. Yeah, definitely. And um, sort of on that note of looking ahead, John, the last question I had for you was um, whether there are any kind of exciting developments that people can look forward to this year from Nine Round or Lyft Brand's entire portfolio. I mean, you've mentioned, of course, the development of your app, which is upcoming and uh, more of an integration with wearables. But are there sort of any franchising developments, any new countries, anything like that that you, you're able to share at the minute? Uh, I'm not going to share about new countries we're going to um, right. because they're not signed yet. So I don't think that would be appropriate. We're, we're working on, a, on some quite <laughs> exciting things, uh, not only in Amir actually, but globally. I think I think sure. look, what I would say is you you are in particular going to see nine round in a lot more places. So we, we've already got a robust pipeline of, of sites in development as we speak in the UK for the rest of 2020. We're actively um, we're actively working with prospective partners through EMEA. So so you're absolutely going to see not only Nine Round but but Snap as well uh, becoming more prevalent and, and more present in 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 our market. So I think that's key. You're going to see brand growth. I think if we look at the product itself and what are you going to see? Look, the, the the move to digital is key. We're really excited about the work being done on our app. We now own the app. It's it, it's our own app. We, we own the IP. So that's really exciting. Um, I think other pieces we've done. A, we've done a huge piece on marketing the way we present our brand, um, both for Nine Round and Snap. So actually, there will be a, uh, I suppose, a new a new language um, and a new a new way in which we're presenting the brand to the market um, coming to fore in the in the next kind of three to six months, which we're really excited about. Um, but as a general rule, it's it's get back trading, get our existing franchisees oper- operating and, and and kind of growing and making money again is the key thing get everyone back where they were because we had a, a really healthy business pre-covid once covid goes we expect to do that again so it's it stabilize the estate and then continue to grow as we were pre-covid yeah that's really great to hear that um hopefully yeah we'll be seeing a lot more of nine round as the the world gradually returns to normal um well thanks very much for your time john it's been really great speaking with you about lift brands and nine round and the entire portfolio and uh, yeah looking forward to seeing what's next for you guys not at all The simple fact is that exercise is growing, and despite the pandemic severely disrupting this industry, brands like Nine Round are only set to expand as demand continues among workout-starved clients. As John outlined, this growth will also be driven by the likes of fitness technology and consistent network-wide support, two pillars that are attracting franchisees towards the Lyft brand's portfolio like never before. John asserted that the journey with a customer should never stop and by having this kind of ongoing mentality, a brand can ensure it always keeps up with the consumer and industry trends. We'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this. How are you ensuring that your franchise feels as fresh today as it did when you first started operating? Make sure to let us know. If you like the podcast, subscribe and recommend it to your friends and colleagues. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your pods. To keep up to date with franchise news and have it put into context by the global franchise experts, subscribe to the magazine, hit us up at globalfranchisemagazine.com and follow us on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn today.